everyone's drunk at the end of Passover. And uh, at the end of the night, the three the three men of the families decided the right thing to do would be to kayak in the backyard. So <laughs> there is some in the lightning strike. You know when you're like so drunk that there's not you know there's nothing your wife can do to stop you. Like you're you're gonna kayak in the lightning storm come hell or high water. <laughs> so <laughs> hold my Manischewitz. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lou, how are you? It's almost April. Hello, Elizabeth. Thank goodness. I can't wait. I mean, I know they call this spring right now, but uh, I really want summer. <laughs> Amen. I know. Just give, get me to August. Fast track me to the beach as soon as possible. Yeah, but we're getting there. Everything is looking up. People are starting to are starting to feel better, I think. It's been wonderful here. The weather has been great. Of course, I live on a lake, so, it, so I'm blessed and uh, I'm pretty thrilled about it. But... Uh, so what, what do we have on deck today? So we've got this listener question, and I know you haven't heard it yet, so I was just going to play it for you. Uh, and then I've obviously it heard it. Bring it on. Yeah, I've already, I've already heard it. So I was thinking, and you can, you can veto this if you want, but I was thinking, let me tell you what my first impression was of this question, and then for sure you're going to see something in it that I didn't even see, and then we'll maybe go from there. Is that cool? Sounds good to me. Okie dokie. Hi, Elizabeth and Lou. My name's Mike, and for almost the last decade, I've been working as an independent permitting contractor in the construction industry. Recently, I've been offered a job working as an employee of a larger firm in the same industry. They've said I'm allowed to work in verticals that don't compete. What should I be on the lookout for ahead of time to protect myself and also to max out my income potential? So... (laughs) I heard this and I thought, oh God. <laughs> so my take on this is that he he's owned a business, right? Like he's been an independent contractor, he's done his own thing, and he's decided to take a job, right? You're you you get that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, okay. It. So first of all, like a couple of like for me, the nitpicky stuff always comes first. Like, first of all, he's in a right to work state. He this calls from Florida, but I think that's kind of everywhere, right? So they kind of can't tell him that he's not allowed to have a business that performs this task elsewhere, you know? And second, it kind of sounds like I sort of stewed on this and it kind of sounds like maybe they even used it as a negotiating tactic. Like, sure, that's totally cool. Keep your other gig going, you know, which I think would sound appealing if you were thinking about taking a job after a decade not working, which like you and I talked about this the other day, like, oh my God, I don't know if I could ever work for somebody else. And then it's it's so easy. I can totally imagine hearing like, yeah, it's totally cool if you work doing your own thing as long as you're not competing and conflating that with, yeah, we totally support your other endeavors. You know, like thinking, yeah, you're allowed to is not the same as sure. We're flexible for that. You do you, man. You know, and meanwhile, like after this complete circus of a calendar year, which he was just talking about, like, of course, he wants to keep a side business, right? Because what if they like, what if they can him? What if something works out? Is he going to like shut down whatever it is he's got going on? But of course, he's he's taking this job because there's obviously there it has to be more lucrative, right? Something something is compelling him to go do this. So he's like, how do I how do I protect my income? And what should I be on the lookout for? And I'm thinking, 
this is super dangerous, you know, like even though it sounds like he's kind of got the the go do thing, you know, like I don't want to I don't want to just skip <clears> out <throat> on one thing and just take my job and give up. Right. So he's kind. it sounds like he's got that, like, make it happen thing. But it's it just strikes me as like these people are going to turn on you the second that you're busy doing something else ever. The world is going to end and maybe they're even going to be like less flexible, you know, if they think they have you as an employee. I know that you have some people that work for you that also do other things. What do you what do you think about about this? And maybe we can even talk about it as both like people who manage a team of people that also do other stuff. Like, what do you think? Do flags do red flags go off for you? Or yeah, what? there's a lot of red flags, of yeah. course. Um, let's talk specifically about uh, our questionnaire, a questioner here. Um, I think that they're not telling him the truth. They don't want him to do other stuff. They don't want any chance of him competing. And as soon as they got their, their claws in on him, they're going to stop that immediately or say, hey, 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 that's our business. You've got to bring that business to us. And so I, I, I have a tough time believing that he's going to be doing things in the same vertical that they will not think is their money. So I, I Or I maybe don't... even like the vertical might get redefined on the fly. Sure. You know, so like let's just say he's a plumber. Oh, suddenly right? it becomes like... Let's yeah, say he's a plumber because sure. he really didn't get into it. Let's say he's a plumber, but he does construction work on the side. So he's going as a, as a mm-hmm. plumber and they're going to say, all right, so he thinks only plumbing work is is the competitive work. But then he starts doing a little uh, heating and they're like, whoa, you know, heating and AC is kind of close. to That's what we do, too. So I think I think there's going to be some issues down the line. And I, I don't believe there's any way he can protect from it, because unless he has a contract that it, it's all spelled out in, which did I doubt they will do. Uh-huh. He's an employee at will. And if he's an employee at will, they can fire him for any reason at any time. So, so I think oh. he's he's got to make an un, he's got to come with an understanding that okay, this is this is I want this money because obviously he's leaving, uh, obviously he's getting a job because he wants more consistent revenue. It's not consistent because of the past year, right. and he needs a little umbrella help from yeah. a bigger company. So, if that's important right. to him, make the move. Uh, if he has a side company, take it out of his name, put it in his wife's name, let let our buddy's name or his mother's name or his father's oh. name, and it's their company, and then they can book their business. And then if they decide to sublet or hire him on the side, then, you know, he's not doing it for himself. He's just doing a side job for another company that he's affiliated with. And, oh, my and God. Not that, not that he... Still won't get fired, but at least it's uh, there's a little step. And I would never it's ever. It's like an indemnity ever, ever, thing. Well, it's definitely a little bit of separation of uh, church and state, so, so to speak. But I would never, ever, 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 ever <laughs> tell I never, them. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. I would never tell them any work that he's doing on the side. Never. I would just show up, do my really? work, do all that stuff, and then I would do my weekend uh, side jobs and, and it's none of their business. Right. 
Oh, that's smart. And meanwhile, of course, like everybody does this, like when you're getting interviewed. Oh, yeah, we're cool. Like we're the coziest people in the world. Right. Because they always want to attract you to come work with them. And then the guillotine stops. I never would have thought of the thing about actually putting the business, you know, in his wife's name or brother's name or whatever, and actually somehow separating that out. That never would have crossed my mind. I was just thinking, like, I think they're going to come for him. You know, even if it's even if it's the furthest thing in the world, if he has to, like, God forbid he has to, like, take a day off and they want to know if at the second that he says, oh, it's for another project I've got going on. It's like I think the like the floodgates are going to are going to yeah, open I up. I, I think he I think he's going to I mean, if they hire him and I think the only consequence he's going to have uh-huh. is if is that they can fire him. I guess if he he has a problem, and this is an ethical situation. Yeah. If he stole one of their clients uh-huh. and brought him to his other oh company, God, yeah. then there's going to be a lawsuit, That's right? right? So, of course. So he's he's in a little bit of a sticky situation because it's not clean. Um, I I believe in the right for people to earn money and and to do things, but he does have an obligation to the company he's working for. Yeah. So it become it does become a little bit murky. Right. So he's got to really draw the line and and make sure that well, first of all the worst thing he can do is tap into any of the clients that the other company has. Like just right. for example, what if the the company has a client who they're doing plumbing plumbing in, right? We're going to stick with that uh-huh. example. And sure. then that company says to this guy, I love you. You do a great job. Do you do any other work? Oh, yeah, I paint. Oh, great. I'll hire you to paint. Uh-huh. Well, that's going to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. That's a, that's such It's such a good point. I think keeping it clean is an issue. And even, I suppose, you know what it is. I think sometimes people get into situations like this, especially people that have a lot of integrity, are the people who end up finding themselves in these kind of tricky situations where they feel like they got screwed on the other side, right? Because I, you know, let's, presuming he's a good guy, you know, he's like, oh, they told me I can do this job. I'm going to take this job. I can still do my other thing. Presuming he's like, these are two totally different verticals. It's different lines. No problem. Everything should be cool. I think if you think that way, that's actually where these like little insidious things pop up or crop up that are completely unexpected. You know, and like well, the, think, yeah, go ahead. I think we can clean it up a little for him if 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 his new company, new employer is willing to do so. Yeah, he has a company now. What he should do is have a uh, a subcontract a contract with these guys. So basically, they're not paying him as an employee. They're hiring his company to do the work. And then that gives him a little bit of separation further because now he's a subcontractor. Mm -hmm. So him taking other jobs isn't a big deal. But now you get a contract, a real contract, where you can have... Yeah. Them say we're going to hire you as a subcontractor. You got to stay away from our clients. You got you know all these little legal mumbo jumbo. But I mm-hmm. I also think it's better for tax. Not that I'm an accountant and going to give tax advice, but I also think it's right. better for tax purposes because if he owns his own company, I'm sure he's got yeah. a truck that he does work with yeah. that it's a lot easier to expense through his company than personally. Yeah. And so yeah. I always say to everybody, I don't believe in being an employee at will. If you if you don't have to be, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you if you're in right. an office full time and you're doing uh, and you're showing up, yeah, you have to be an employee at will because. 
Otherwise, it's, yeah. it's illegal and frowned upon because the government doesn't want that because they want their taxes. However, right. if you are, in fact, yeah. a subcontractor that's being hired, um, that's a whole different story. And it sounds yeah. like in the business he's in, he could probably yeah. get the best of both worlds and being a subcontractor to this larger company. Right. And maybe have even gotten somebody, been able to hire somebody to help him with the work that they asked for. That's a, that's an interesting point. I don't usually take on, I can't remember the last time I was an employee of something either, right? Like even when you and I do little projects together, it's always my company and your company working together. You, I saw on your, when I was like reading through your team of people on your website the other day, I know that you have people that work with you who are doing other things, you know, and like moonlight here and there. And I thought it really jumped out at me when you said, you know, like he really should be um, forthcoming about when he's working on anything else. How do you handle that where you are and where, well, you know, what's your policy there? Because it sounds like it might be a little different than mine. I don't know. Yeah, well, the the, the folks who, you know, hustle, I always like people who hustle and That's go right. do and try to make a little extra money. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I encourage folks that with their talent where it doesn't affect A, their job and, and B, steal business from us i i i'm i'm supportive in every single way so if you're doing a little uh-huh. if you're doing a little side gig that like, like one of our guys paul is a is a creative guy and um he's our, our chief creative officer and he has a side company that where he builds uh this beautiful furniture and he's building. It's it's called. Oh man, I, I wish I could plug him. Uh, I'll go. I'll I'll check while you're talking. But it's he builds this nice furniture out of wood. These coffee end tables, and he's doing the work. And um, you know, I applaud him for hustling on the side and on the weekends and the nights to make a little extra money. That's right. But he's not. <laughs> he's not. He's not doing them and then stamping with them with anodyne and then sending them all to your clients and billing. Oh right, right. Well, there's a, yes. <laughs> he's not roping everybody else in. <laughs> that that's the whole point. And here's where the line is drawn. You you can make money yeah. on the side, but you can't have it be a conflict with your your employer. Yeah, that's right. And so that's that's the thing that both made us go about this question is that it's really close to home. I have this problem all the time, right? The people that work with me, I, I certainly can't say at any given time, especially after the, after the last year, you know, that I feel like after the last year is going to become the resounding phrase that we say about every decision going forward. I never want to tell somebody to not make money, but that those ethical issues of, well, that's my client. Even if, even if somebody gave you their phone number and they and they're calling you know somebody that works with me directly it's still my client you know and and really really being careful about that that's something that i was always obsessive about because it seemed not worth the agony and the angst to 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 bring other customers in to to never like i just didn't steal customers you know never never knowingly stole a customer but it freaks me out all the time right the bigger my team gets and especially because we all work so online anymore right there's no surveillance I don't have people in my office that I can well, keep, I'm sure you know? I'm sure you don't have non-compete contracts and I'm sure there's there's a lot of contracts well there's non-competes but I don't even know how enforceable it is <laughs> they really aren't any longer I mean a, a judge most likely is going to tell you that you can't prevent the people people from earning a living however if there are some things that that are that are usually enforced, like if you take 
a long-term client, that's going to be a problem, right? If you, if you, yeah. uh, if a, if a client hires you, like in all our contracts, um, you can't, you can't hire any of our employees. Just, it's just in the, oh, you know, so, like ever. Well, no, there's, a, I think there's a period of time. Ever. I think it's two years after they leave us or something, something that's two years. Where, where, yeah. where you know that they're not, um, uh, jumping direct. So if there's a period of time, I, you know, you know what, I want to get back to that, but I just remembered, I just heard about this, you know, the Bobby, I, I don't, <laughs> here we go. Do you know the Bobby Brown makeup line? Have you ever heard of this woman? She's really famous. I mean, like Estee Lauder famous. No, I know no, Buster Brown fine. though. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> you know, the right, shoe so, guy, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, do, you, do you remember just, those shoes when you were a kid? The Buster Brown shoes? Do they still make them? Of course. I you don't know. know Victoria but... told me something interesting last night. She's yeah. taking a, a course. She's in her final semester at SCAD, and she's taking a history, yeah. an art history course, but it's about comics in the 1930s. That's cool. And the comic yeah. Buster Brown was developed to promote the Buster Brown shoe line. I think I knew that. Pretty I wore fun. a lot I, of Buster I mean, I think, Brown shoes. I think it's uber I creative. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so really by the way, cute. before before Isn't we go it, it's on, it's kind of like the, the Annie of, Decoder watch. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Before I go on, the name of my uh, my guy's um, company is Riverwood Furniture Designing. Riverwood Furniture Designing. So if you want, they're really nice. Go look at it on uh, Instagram. I don't have his email, his uh, website, but uh, All right. it's beautiful stuff. It's really expensive. It's not cheap, but it's it's really beautiful stuff. He's he's got a nice. He's he's a craftsman, no doubt. Cool. Okay, so here's the thing. All I was going to say about Bobby Brown, Bobby Brown was super famous makeup artist in the 90s, had a massive, massive, massive company, sold to Estee Lauder, and signed a 20-year non-compete. And she just launched to the day her new makeup line just came out like a week and a half ago. I think, is, have you ever heard of a non-compete that's even longer than that? Yeah, sure. I mean, think, think about this. When you, it, it all depends on money, right? If if you're buying somebody out for a hundred bucks, then you, you you can go a week. But if you're right. buying somebody out for a hundred million, then you're going right. to put a lot longer timeline in it. So, I, and it's I think, enforceable. That makes yeah, sense. So think about Marvel and in in Stan Lee, right? Stan Lee, yeah. He was with the when when Disney bought out Marvel. They, they I don't of course I don't know the details, but I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure. And of they course, said I don't that, know who Stanley is. So oh, oh, I would think you were a comic book person. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Well, you know Marvel, right? You know. You delivered that so straight. Like, but no, yeah, I know Marvel. Right, so you yeah. know Marvel, Spider Man, and 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 uh, yeah, 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 Iron Man and all those guys, the Avengers. Well, Stan Lee was the guy who drew it. He was, he was one of the creators. Mm. So, you know, I would imagine that okay. he had a, well, I think they made him an employee, but if, if he went off on his own, he would have had a non-compete. That was a long, long time because I'm sure they spent billions and billions and billions of dollars for Marvel. Right. You know, it's funny because Victoria's a, a Victoria's a um, she's an artist, and a lot of these fo- and she has her own original mm-hmm. characters. And um, I'm a little bit savvy if you ha- if you didn't know this, but I I'm 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 afraid that she's going to go work for a studio and they're going to try to steal her 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 characters. So I bought them from her. 
It's so, a good thing that she's already developed them. You did. That's right. Yeah, IE International. That circles owns, right back to what you just advised him. Yeah, that's right. Okay. IE International owns all of her original characters to this point, and so she doesn't own them. So when she goes to work for somebody and they see her doodling, they're like, "Oh, that's ours." Because no, no, sorry. IE International owns that. You can go talk to them if you want to buy the rights. Um, anything once she's working there, that's a different story. But uh, you got to protect yourself. Of course. Yeah, that's interesting. What if you were somebody who was so this the the question right that we talked about, Mike, the guy that called. He already has this existing business. What if somebody were on the flip side, right, thinking about starting starting a small business and needing people to come help, and they have what they presume is intellectual property? And I use the word presume pretty carefully too, right, because a lot of people really wish that stuff that was intellectual property were, but it probably isn't. Is there? What would you give? What do you think about that? You know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, I'm going to start my little thing and I'm always afraid to bring people in to give them that insider knowledge. Like, how do you protect against that, especially with the non-compete thing being so difficult? And when the when the value proposition is so low, right? You're like, oh, for a hundred bucks, you can buy somebody out. And next week, they're going to go do something. If you're just starting out, you're not talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. What do you look for in that kind of situation? Or what do you, what would you be thinking about? Well, the, the, the issue is that a lot of people think their intellectual property is theirs and unique, but there's not a lot of original ideas out there, and there's some things that you can <laughs> find on the internet without even trying. Right. I was in a conversation yeah. with somebody this week who has a little training program for, um, for employees, and I said, yeah, you know, I like it. I like to build off it. And she goes, well, well it's my IP. And I, I, said, I said, well... I want to make sure you're compensated um, fairly because you did do work, but there's nothing unique about this. This is like simple stuff. And um, people get crazy about that. So so you can call it intellectual property, but you know how hard it is to get things, I mean, trademarked and, and to, to show, or show that the or, unique, yeah. unique copyright, right? You need copyrights, you need trademarks because you got to show that it's unique. And if it's not, if yeah. it, these, these all these standards, right? And I'm, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm gonna, I'm not gonna uh-huh. do it justice. But there's all these standards that you have to meet in order for it to be claimed as intellectual property. And you know, there's a lot of people saying the same stuff. And and you know, yeah. I, it's funny. I think of things sometimes, and and I'm like, wow, that's pretty brilliant to me. And then I'll go. Google it and look it up, and a hundred people already thought of it. So you know, I'm just, I'm way behind. I already came up with it and put it out there. You know, right. I just I was thinking I just thought of a story when I was a when I was a little kid, you know, those deliverable fruit baskets that you can get with like the strawberries and the fruit cut like stars and hearts and sure. stuff. Have you ever Edible seen those arrangements. Things? Edible arrangements. Well, when I was in elementary school, the company was called Incredible Edible Delights, and it was owned by the mom of a boy that was in one of my classes. And we were like, when we were little kids, we were we were the first kids to have the strawberry with the little marshmallow squished in it. And uh, she worked. She started her business when when we were all little kids, and she brought somebody on. And that person is the one that owns uh, Incredible Arrangements or whatever it's called. But the person that she brought on stole it and grew the business. And she is is gonzo. That's like so there. I'm always going back to the food businesses. Right. And I think that's probably just because that's what I was really exposed to. Is you is there even such there must not even be such a thing as like intellectual property 
for ways to cut fruit. You know, like what can you actually, what can you actually protect that's not a, a like a scientific patent? You know, it's gonna. You know, a recipe, a, a unique recipe like Coca Cola, of course, has their their formula. Yeah, and they have that patented and KFC. trademarked and yeah. copyrighted and every legal thing up and down, but. Um, it's 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 only because they they invented Coca Cola like eons ago, right? I mean, it's hard to right. create something new nowadays. And you you know that they put cocaine in Coca Cola when they first. I was did just it. about to say, is the cocaine in the original in the original patent recipe? It I was it, in the original recipe. They had some some amount instead of caffeine, I guess. Um, but, uh, of course, they had to change that <laughs> because they were wondering why people were addicted to Coca-Cola. <laughs> you know, back then, oh my God, think about riot. the consumer consumer affairs and how many people were, you know, you could do anything at some point back in the early 1900s. That's right. Nowadays, you know, you, you, would be, you would be imprisoned for just thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess the bottom line is that what this comes down to is it puts even higher value, maybe more than more than ever on the people that you choose to work with. You know, it's like there's some degree of of parenting, right? Like it's a lot about integrity and trust and not just building in punitive framework. So we started here thinking, oh, you know, you got to you really got to like write up that that uh, contract and be have an airtight contract if you possibly can. But there's so there's so little you can really do about it if you're not Bobby Brown slash Buster Brown. You know, if you're not at that at that magnitude, it's really about choosing the people that you that you work with really carefully that are unlikely to cross you. Yeah, and a lot of people, even smart, rich people, get swindled at times. Mm-hmm. You know, think about the music industry alone. I mean, Michael's in the in the music industry. He probably understands this better than anybody, but uh, folks' catalog and, and all the, the music that they write and you know, all that gets gobbled up by these, these bigger uh, albums, these labels, and then they fire you and they still have what you built. So, you know, that happened to, I remember it happening to the Beatles where they had all these songs and this whole library of, of songs that they wrote and that were theirs and they didn't own them. And, and imagine, right. imagine writing it and, and everybody knows it's yours and not owning it. And I believe Michael Jackson bought the rights to their library at one point in time. He did. I think uh, Paul McCartney yeah. has it back, but but think about how awful that is. It just happened to Taylor Swift too. Scooter Braun owns her right, stuff, right. and she's like that, re-recording yeah. all of her own material. Yeah, it's a complete disaster. So maybe maybe even it's it's not even just are you thinking about hiring somebody to work with you? It's you probably need to be interviewing the people that you're going to work for. You know, they're like the the top and bottom. Um, I don't want to say top and bottom. The uh, the management and and worker B um, relationship kind of has to be really mutually sussed out. You know, you really kind of just like you were saying last week or the week before. You know, like people are lying a lot. You know, and especially if you're somebody that doesn't lie a lot, it can be shocking to see how much people are really kind of bending the truth around uh, around those things. So here's another theme maybe that we can we can pick up on here. 
sometimes there's new entrepreneurs that are just starting something new also don't have a major track record. And especially like in service industries. So on the flip side of this, right, we have a we had this caller who's who's got 10 years of experience is going to go take a job. A lot of the people that, that we got talking about here, right, the three million women that just that just left the workforce that are thinking about maybe starting something new. All these other people that are just transitioning because of everything that happened last year, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes those people don't have actually an established track record in the thing that they're starting up next. And those are the places where people start to kind of bend the truth. You know, like, oh, yeah, I've been doing this for, you know, X number of years. Or oh, I worked with so-and-so and then, like, making more out of what they did in a particular project than they necessarily did. Do you think that that's just kind of like a fact of life, that that's just what most people are doing when they're starting out? They're just, like, kind of they're, – they're inclined to inflate their past just to kind of get over that time hurdle that it takes to establish – that, you know, like actual track record or actual expertise? Yeah, I mean, it happens all the time, even in resumes, right? I think people embellish on their experience and what they can do. And, and it's part of, it's just part of the system. And it's up to the people either buying in or investing or hiring to say, yep, I call bullshit, you know. So um, I think I think there's a lot of that. And I always say, don't look at titles, look at track records. Right. right. I, we always talk about that. And so I, 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 I would think that if you were entering into a new area that you yeah. had a passion for and a talent for, you're way better off saying, hey, I'm new to this game. I've been in, in this game since breakfast. However, I have a passion for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for, about it. And, and I have this little knack. And let me show you that. Instead of... Because instead of, what you do... And I'm going to fin- let me finish my sentence because I notice sometimes I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> uh, instead of, <laughs> instead of a, elaborating, embellishing, and basically lying, you're better off being very truthful and, and then just showing them what you can do. So I, I, I find that the credibility of a person outweighs any story they're going to tell. So you're much better saying, hey, I've never done this before, but I'm hardworking, I'm good at it, and here, taste this, taste how good it is, if, he, if they're cooking somebody. I know you don't want people to start cooking products and making businesses, <laughs> but that's a good example. No, I do. I just I just think it's a dangerous thing. I just think because everyone thinks they can do it and there's so much to it. Thanks to Martha Stewart, right? Martha Stewart made everyone think that they can totally do it. And so many people get disappointed. So I'm more just like the mother hen protector kind of vibe around that. Like 100% go do it. Do you have a, do you have a, I, I'm trying to think of a time where, where I've hired somebody that, that's, that hasn't had that track record. I, I actually prefer it. To be honest with you, I prefer hiring younger people who are passionate, energetic, have the go-do mentality, and then I can help Mm -hmm. mold them into understanding how to go forward and how to work. Because a lot of times people learn bad habits and and they, they think they know what they're doing because somebody else said do it this way and the other person was an an idiot. Yes. I don't want to get negative because that's not what we're here, but... (laughs) I, I'm, I look for the positive in people. I look. I'd rather have no talent or, or no, or let's call it unmolded. No experience. Talent. Yeah, no experience. That's the right. Okay. Because everybody has talent, right? There's, everybody has some talent. It's it's just tapping into 
what it is that you're best at. And, and I like to bring yeah. the best out of people. And I would, would, I would much rather somebody say to me, never done it before, but, you know, how, how hard can it be? Let me try. And then they're more receptive to your input on it. Hey, Lou, is somebody uh, vacuuming right above your head? Yeah, my clean is It sounds like somebody saw it. That's why I muted my microphone earlier. Oh, my God. It's so... (laughs) Well, I'm just going to have to say that on the, hey, is something... What's going on up there? Yeah. Um, We're going to need to pick a new time. Loud, loud, yeah. Yeah, They're not usually here at this time. They usually come on. They're already here, usually. Uh, They came late today. Oh, that's funny. Sorry. Next week, I'll make sure they're not they're not vacuuming. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what we were talking about right before that. Um, oh, fresh fresh talent. You know, so here's the other thing about hiring fresh talent is that it's actually easier to build in loyalty with those people. You know, otherwise, just like we were talking, I, it's funny how it all is really tying together today, you know, but we were saying like, oh, he's going to have a problem. Mike's going to have a problem when he goes off and works somewhere else. There's going to be an issue. But here, if you if you hire people that have talent but limited experience, you actually have an easier time building a loyal relationship with them where providing that you're you know you're paying them well and they're getting a lot out of the experience they're actually much more likely to hang with you as opposed to perpetually looking for other ways to get around working with you and to bail you know yeah i am people are not going to like this but i i do have to say it i am not a big fan in legacy employees if if you come in as a i don't know what that is if you come in as a c-level employee a c-level executive and there are assistants and people that are in your org chart, I believe in in pretty much wiping it out and starting from scratch because there's preconceived notions, there's past loyalties, there's issues, there's problems, and it never goes right. It always is a struggle because now you, you, you have to retrain people. And once in a while you get a good employee, but, you know, at the Patriots, dun, 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 I mean, <laughs> we... We, I came in as, <laughs> as the director of marketing to begin with, and my first three months were a battle with employees that were there. You know, oh, we do it this way. Oh, no, you used to do it that way. We're doing it this way now. So those conversations are really a pain because people have preconceived notions. They have the standard method of operation. And the reason why you bring in someone at an executive level is to change things, not to do it the way it was. Yeah. So, I'm a big believer right. of bringing in new employees with new executives. And and that doesn't bode well for people who've been with companies for a long time. And they and people who've been with companies for That's 20 scary. years think they think I belong here forever. And no, you don't. I mean, right. that, like it's your new last name is Johnson and Johnson, right? <laughs> I, I'm also a believer, Elizabeth, that you should never do the same job for longer than 10 years. I think there should be there should be a max limit of uh, you being employed at the when I say same job at the same company. No one should yeah. go longer than so 10 doing years. A, doing the same role. Right. Well, yeah. And yes, you, okay. Yes. So let's clarify even, that. You mean like doing the same job, or you mean like even climbing the ranks? Well, I, once I you've think been there ten years, you should get out. It's a little bit of both. I I think that you should not be longer at one company more than ten years. Uh, however. I think there is some flexibility with that. I mean, this is not a this is not a fast 
rule. It's kind of more like a guideline. Uh, there's flexibility if you do climb up <laughs> the ladder, of course. But if you're in the same place doing the same job and you hit 10 years, you're not doing things right. If you're in the same place right. and you've had multiple jobs, well, you're doing a little better. But at some point in time, it becomes comfortable. You're not as exhilarated. There's things you're not doing to make sure that you're 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 going that extra mile. And um, I've noticed with myself, it may not be for everybody, but myself, I'm not a big believer in being in a place less than five years, and I'm not a big believer in being in a place longer than 10 years, because if you're there less than five, you're not really giving everything to get it to a place. And if you're there more than 10, you're probably still. That's really good advice. So why don't we end on that? Because we've been going for a little a little while, and this episode has been chock full of of interesting advice and ways of looking at things. For sure, we're going to get questions out of this one. Um, and I loved that you brought in something that I didn't see uh, even at first blush out of the out of that listener question. I thought that was great. Um, so good luck to you, Mike. We can't wait to hear how it goes. <laughs> Maybe we'll hear more about that down the line. Yeah, good and- luck, good luck, Mike. I'm sorry I called you the questioner, <laughs> not Mike. But <laughs> I just was listening to the question and not your name, so I apologize. All right. That. So. Um, yeah, so why don't I uh, I do some some uh, takeaways for us here? It's going to be probably lengthy because we jam-packed it in, and then uh, we'll go from there. Okay, bring it on. The world of flexible work is trickier than ever, and protecting yourself is important, even when people you work with seem, or even are, genuinely supportive of you having other sources of revenue. You don't have to be a pessimist or jaded to work out some worst-case scenarios ahead of time and work out some formal dividing lines for yourself. But especially when you're working for a larger company with funds for litigation, keep your side gigs to yourself. The other bad news is that intellectual property isn't as broad as we all wish it were, and not many non-competes are enforceable, especially depending on what state you live in. Think carefully about your trade secrets and what makes you different from everyone else. The difference may be you much more than the trade secret you're offering. Meanwhile, the real name of the game is building loyalty with people you work with, taking risks on people who might be new to working with you or your business, but show promise. If you're just starting out yourself, you can build a lot of credibility by being painfully honest. That's how we work at my company. And if you're taking Lou's advice, you should expect them to want to cut bait after a decade or so. Lou thinks people tend to get stale in the same role. The magic number for yourself? Five to ten years in any one gig is what Lou would tell you is the sweet spot. Elizabeth, that was long. You're right. But we did have a lot packed in there. And so uh, I'm glad you were able to dissect it the way you did. And hopefully we've helped a lot of folks. And I I have some ideas that I want to talk to you about uh, expanding on this, because I think we've gave some really good advice that was ground level. and, And I would like to do that more so as we move along. Yeah, there's so much gray area in there, you know, like that one size fits all thing. It just it just isn't real. You know, there's so much nuance depending on what what seat you're sitting in at any given time. So I love picking that apart with you. I thought I thought today was great. Thanks so much. Well, until next week, Elizabeth. Ciao for now. Ciao for now, Lou. The King and Lou is a production of Elizabeth King Coaching and IE International. Special thanks to Red Smudgeon and Emily Monroe. And extra special thanks to our sound engineer, Michael Weissman, for not only editing this show, but also writing and performing our theme music. 
If you have a question you'd like us to discuss on the show, send it in a voice memo to questions at thekingandlou.com. Thanks so much for listening. Ciao for now.